Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. Over the course of this morning, we're going to be having eight baptisms. Two of those are in uh, this service at 8.30. And in preparation for these baptisms, I want us to think about one specific aspect of the mission that Jesus gave his church. And the mission involves baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And one place that the mission is described is in Matthew 28. I want to read a couple of verses there. We read in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus is speaking to his disciples after he has been raised from the dead. And we read this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. 20 years ago, a movie came out that some of you love. And like me, you have seen it an embarrassing number of times. Uh, Others of you are neutral or negative about this movie, if that's you, uh, just bear with me for a few minutes here. So the name of the movie is The Fellowship of the Rings. And so it's the first movie in this trilogy that is based on J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, Lord of the Rings, his epic novel. And the basic plot of this this novel is that there is this ring of power. It's It's a ring. And it is so powerful that whoever wears the ring or is in possession of the ring, they have these unnatural powers and this ring tends to dominate their lives. I mean, they just become obsessed with this ring to the point where they just become a shadow of themselves. And so in the first movie, in The Fellowship of the Ring, the good guys have possession of the ring and they have to decide what they're going to do with it. And so they have this council, this small group of of people, and Elrond, he, he announces this ring is too powerful for us to even use for good, and so we have to destroy it. And the only way to destroy it is to take it deep into the evil kingdom of Mordor, and you throw it in the fire in the middle of Mount Doom. And then he says, one of you, one of you has to do this. And that's when we have this iconic statement by a guy named Boromir, and you've probably seen this meme. He says, one does not simply walk into Mordor. Its black gates are guarded by more than just orcs. There's an evil there that does not sleep. The great eye is ever watchful. Tis a barren wasteland. On and on. The air you breathe is a poisonous fume. Not with 10,000 men could you do this. It is folly. And I tell you this because I think that when Jesus' original disciples heard the mission he gave them, they thought something very similar. They thought one does not simply go and make disciples of all nations. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, Israel had her God. The nations, they all had their gods. And so one does not simply walk into Athens or Rome or in our day, London or Manhattan, Kansas, and make disciples of Jesus. People have their loyalties. People are already committed to their gods, whether real or imagined. And so it it had to have seemed like an impossible mission that Jesus 
was given them. Occasionally in the Old Testament, a prophet would go and they would make a pronouncement to a nation, but there was nothing like a sustained effort that Jesus is describing. What he's describing is unprecedented. And so I I ask you, how has it come about that here we are 2,000 years later, almost 7,000 miles from where Jesus gave this mission, and many of us here today would say, we're disciples of Jesus, and we're trying to make disciples uh, among the people with whom we live. How is that even possible? You ever wondered that? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 18, why that's possible. I read it earlier. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and because that's the case, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Now, it's not the case that Jesus had no authority before his resurrection. The Gospels are very clear. People were amazed at Jesus' authority when he taught, when he did miracles, when he pronounced the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus already had authority. What is different after his resurrection is the scope and the reach of his authority. Now it's the case that his authority has no boundaries. There's no place where Jesus cannot reach. He said he's been given all authority by God, both in the heavenly realm, where all the the spiritual beings live in the heavenlies, both good and evil, and on earth, in the earthly realm that we all see every day. Now, it's interesting, when Paul described Jesus' authority, he, he emphasized that when Jesus was raised from the dead and went back to heaven, he was enthroned at the right hand of God. And what does he say? Far above every power, ruler, and authority. And so Jesus now has all authority in every realm. His power, his authority extends to every grouping of people on the planet. And what's interesting is this reality of Jesus' authority. It's, it's reflected in Jesus' favorite name for himself. Do you know what Jesus called himself, how he referred to himself more than any other way? Over 80 times, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. And that's a, that's a phrase, that's a, a, a name that comes from Daniel chapter 7. It's a vision of God giving one like a son of man all authority so that all the nations would serve him. And so I want to take a little rabbit trail. It really, really helps us understand the significance of the mission Jesus gave to his disciples. But it's in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. And Daniel records this. He says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And so by calling him one like a son of man, it means he was human, saying that he came on the clouds, that that signifies that he is divine. So he's both human and divine. And he comes before God, the ancient of days, and then we read in verse 14, see if this sounds familiar in light of the mission Jesus gave his people. And to him was given dominion, which is basically authority, power, rule, and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so by calling himself the Son of Man, Jesus is saying, I am divine, I am human, and all authority has been given to me 
so that all the peoples of the earth have the chance, have the privilege of worshiping and serving the one true living God. He's the Son of Man. And that reality, of course, is reflected in the mission we've been talking about. And so this vision of people from every nation worshiping him, it is possible because Jesus is the Son of Man with all authority. And what we learn in verse 19 of Matthew 28 is that Jesus doesn't exercise this this authority unilaterally. He exercises it through his disciples so that they can make disciples. And the only reason this, this mission is even remotely possible is because we now go in the power of the Son of Man who has all authority. I mean, we're all like Frodo, right? That, he's a hobbit. That helps a lot, right? And so we're all helpless. We are all just, we're just so ordinary. It's amazing. We have no power. We, who are we? But we go in the power of the Son of God in his authority. And this doesn't mean that there's no opposition. There is great opposition. But what it does mean is the mission will be successful. One day, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, as Logan read earlier, every tribe, tongue, and nation will worship Jesus. And so we have the privilege of being part of that. Again, in verse 19, we go and make disciples, and one aspect of that is baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so those who are being baptized today, they're basically saying, I have now become a disciple of Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me, therefore I want to live for him. I want to be apprenticed to Jesus. I want him to teach me how to live my life. And so before they're baptized, uh, each person being baptized will make a series of affirmations. They will affirm their faith in Jesus. They will renounce the old way of life and the powers of darkness. And they will express their commitment to live with God's help as disciples of Jesus. And so one aspect is baptizing. The other aspect in verse 20 is teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. And so everybody's heart and mind are saturated with somebody's words, somebody's voices. It may be your own words, it may be your own voice, somebody else's voice, your favorite commentator, uh, your favorite political pundit, uh, could be your parent, could be any number of different people. But as disciples of Jesus, we seek to let the voice of Jesus himself guide our hearts and our minds. And so we seek to saturate ourselves with his word. We do that by preaching, by Bible study, by conversations, by prayer, by private uh, uh, individual times in the scripture. But in that way, we are eager learners. We're not reluctant. It's not like, uh, how much do I have to do here to stay in the club? It's like, no, this is my life. I want to know as much as possible about how to walk with Jesus. And then Jesus at the final statement there says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so the one with all authority is with us. And so as we go on this mission, the pressure is not on us. And so we're not trying to coerce anybody. We're not trying to manipulate anybody. We're just simply sharing this message. We want people to experience what we've experienced. Hey, I have come to this this place where being apprenticed to Jesus is far superior to anything I've ever experienced. Put your faith in him. Trust that he died for your sin. And now you can begin this journey. It's challenging, but it's exhilarating to be a disciple 
of Jesus Christ. And so God doesn't have any grandchildren. Just because your parents are, are children of God doesn't mean that you are a child of God. Everybody comes to Christ the same way, through faith in what he did. So in a couple minutes, we're going to watch the video, a video in which each person being baptized shares a bit of their story, how they came to faith in Christ, what they're experiencing as a disciple of Jesus. And uh, afterwards, we'll have the actual baptisms. And in this service, uh, Lucy Long is going to be baptized by her dad, Nick, and I will be baptizing Max Brenneman. And so before they're baptized, uh, each person will, will make a series of affirmations, and then after they're baptized, uh, we will have a chance to make an affirmation to the person who's been baptized. And so uh, we're going to put it on the screen here. You will be asked, people of God, what is your response And then if you're a follower of Christ, we would welcome you to join in saying this out loud together, and I want us to practice it now so that we can say it like we mean it after the baptism. And so we'll say, people of God, what is your response? We receive you into the family of God, live and proclaim the gospel of Christ, and share with us in life everlasting. If you would uh, turn your attention to the screen and those being baptized can join me in the green room there. I always went to church um, and sometimes I went to youth group and Bible studies, but um, that was kind of it for me. Um, I think in high school I started to realize that having faith was pretty important, but um, I didn't really do anything about it. And then last year, my freshman year here at K-State, I was surrounded by a lot of other believers, um, and I got involved here at Faith um, in Christian Challenge. And so I think just being around um, so many other believers and seeing how they love Christ and live for Christ um, helped me grow in my faith and the desire to live for God. The biggest difference for me um, after deciding to follow Christ is definitely just the peace and purpose um, I've found since then. Um, just peace knowing that we serve like such a loving and just and gracious God. Um, and just having that purpose, um, knowing what my mission is, um, the mission of Christ. One of my favorite Bible verses is Proverbs 16:9. Um, And it says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. I made a decision over a a period of time. It was around, actually coming up on two years now. Um, Basically grew up um, going to church, but never really like had like an in-depth relationship. I just continued to find like uh, unfulfillment in the things that just like the world like has to offer. basically got to a point where I was just sort of like trying to find uh, fulfillment, like trying to fill this void that was, I guess, like in my heart or soul and um, eventually reach out to my sister who was following Christ um, and is following Christ. And um, she was kind enough to share the gospel with me and um, yeah, sort of haven't looked back since. (laughs) Uh, A lot more joy uh, and love, I would definitely say. Um, I I feel like I've experienced a lot of just um, love from just being, knowing more about who Jesus is, learning more about um, who he is and why he like, why we need him in a sense. 
it gave me a purpose to where I, I was really didn't feel like I had a purpose in life before following Christ, but then like learning and coming into relationship with Christ, um, learning more about Jesus, it it gave me a, a, an everlasting purpose um, and the love and joy that we can experience from Him and just understanding that like now I went from not having really much purpose to now having all the purpose. I have been a Christian for like as long as I can remember and I've always been uh, part of the church and doing stuff like that but uh, I really came to faith when I was uh, in middle school and uh, going into high school because I was paying attention a lot more and I was uh, finding out more stuff about the Bible. It's made a big difference because it's it changes everything, the way I look at everything. Uh, following Jesus uh, means a lot to me and I feel like I see people in my school or in other places who uh, are in need or need other things and I can help them. And I feel like if I didn't know Jesus and I didn't know all the things that he can do and that he's done, then I wouldn't be as good of a person. Some of the things that have helped me grow in faith have been uh, definitely my parents who are always supporting me and uh, being able to like get my first Bible and start reading that. And uh, also going to church every Sunday. Um, just it helps me become more involved in faith. My favorite verse is Micah 7, 7. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Through their little camp council thing, they had uh, something called College Night for college students. And during uh, the worship time, we uh, everyone was singing. It was really good. And uh, I mean, I kind of just felt the presence of Christ kind of like right behind me on my right side and uh, so I was sitting in my chair for 15 minutes and my friend saw me came over I told her what happened and uh, we got a uh, pastor Bob Leitner over here and I told him what happened and he mentioned uh, allowing Christ into my life and so I uh, I did that and uh, my life has been uh, my life has been improving ever since so my favorite Bible verse is uh, Psalm chapter 18, verses 16 through 19. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me on the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. The part where it talks about the strong enemy, I just, this thing about Satan and like the grip that he had on me and and then Christ coming down and uh, taking me away from Satan, so. My name is Lucia, I am 10 years old and I go to Mala Elementary. I love Jesus because he died on the cross for us and he created us with outstanding love. My favorite thing about um, church is the Bible verses and the stories we read. My favorite Bible story is Adam and Eve because it tells um, how God, like, that God had a plan for us and what happened that day. 
My favorite Bible verse is, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. I would like to thank my mom, dad, friends, cousins, aunts, and uncles, and my grandparents and uh, Sunday school teachers. I am Hudson Bell. I am eight years old and I go to school at Theodore Roosevelt. When I first believed in Jesus, I don't remember my age, but I remember I was pretty young. Um, every few days I would go up to my room and I would commit my life to Jesus, And but I was very young and so I understand it very little. And so I redid it when I was eight. I want to be baptized because I know that um, the Lord is our Savior. He is amazing. He is the light. If I didn't have him, I would be lost. Everything would be dark. My dad always says nobody can always understand God perfectly. And so I, I can agree with that because I just know that he has more wisdom than me. And my parents have, I think they've really learned a lot since they're little. And I think that can really help me. My favorite verse is from Psalm 103, uh, verse 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All in my inmost beings, praise his holy name. Um, I would like to thank my parents, my brothers. They have been a pretty good help. Um, I would also like to thank my grandparents. They also really do encourage me to follow the Lord. What led me to following Christ was I got married to somebody who followed Christ. Uh, my wife's family uh, were all believers, uh, attended church regularly. My wife, Sharice, said, hey, we need to attend church. Uh, she came down here from Washington to go to K-State, and uh, she needed to find a church. So we found uh, Faith E-Free, and we've been coming here for the last two years. Going through the Rooted experience and having a group of believers um, and surrounding myself with that uh, really put me in a position to immerse myself and, and think about um, God and Jesus and the Bible and what it all means. Having uh, that mindset that, you know, you if give it to Jesus, Jesus will take care of you. Um, and if you, and, and that just helps me feel comfortable knowing that whatever I'm stressing about or whatever is going on, it's all in God's hands at the end of the day and He's going to take me and put me where He wants me to be. I think I was five and we were just kind of having a hard night and I wasn't being like that obedient. So Dad comes in and he talks to me about it and I, I say, well, I want to be obedient, but I can't do it on my own. And then he talks to me about it a little bit more. And then I'm like, by golly, what are we waiting for? There's these things called Jesus moments, and you feel God talking to you. And it's so awesome. And, I'm, and I got one of those during the service, and then God was telling me uh, to, to get baptized. And so... And I try to listen to God when he's trying to tell me something. Why I love Jesus is, it's kind of simple, 
because he saved my life and the whole lives of the world. It was so awesome. So um, I have to thank uh, my mom, my dad, Carrie, and Lucia Cochran for helping me learn and know more about God. Why don't you stand right over here?